Welcome to the Mike Morris Hour and to this new series, episode one of Aren't We Alone? The Extraterrestrial Question. Please follow and share my Facebook page and or subscribe to my YouTube channel to be notified of new episodes of this series and others. Like my other series, we will approach this topic differently than other providers. Rather than beginning on taking the position of a believer, we will begin to approach this as a skeptic, which seems to be the most popular position of most scientists, which is why I entitled this series, Aren't We Alone? Both the scientific and common belief at this time is that intelligent life exists somewhere outside this planet, while only one in five believe that life has visited Earth. Our planet is exploding with life every day. We have over 8.7 million different species, with millions more that have come and gone over our Earth's 4.5 billion year history. New telescopes, like Hubble's Deep Field Telescope, has the ability to see 15 billion light years away from Earth, and has so far revealed so many galaxies that statistically, the possibility exists that there may not only be planets with intelligent life, just like ours, but the numbers are so high that all of us here on Earth may have infinite doubles. <laughs> and I don't mean Earth duplicates. I also mean duplicates of you and me. Deja vu to you. To date, even with using the most powerful telescopes and open-minded scientific minds, including like Arthur C. Clarke, uh, Carl Sagan, uh, Stephen Hawking, and most of the recent Elon Musk, have all stated that there is no proof of life in space, or that Earth has never been visited by aliens. But many will still argue that visitation question by referring to historical events and experiences of others as evidence that we are and have been visited by extraterrestrials. So even though many scientific minds do not believe that alien life has visited Earth, there is still a serious history of unexplainable events that justify the possibility of extraterrestrial visitation. It is on this premise and how we will go forward. We will explore and try to explain many events, some not widely publicized, from personal encounters to public experiences, from private contractors to military special projects. Just a reminder, I do not believe in wasting my viewers' time on anything that could be clearly labeled as supernatural or paranormal. There are other mediums for that. I prefer to deal with only what is considered to be a natural phenomenon, meaning those things are believed to be natural, but as of yet are not scientifically explained. And that is, of course, how I approach all my series here at the Mike Morris Hour. Before we go on a serious encounters, I need to get it out of the way of what I personally, having lived in Chicago area most of my life, have had very little experience with any extraterrestrial visitation. But I will tell you of the one I thought I had years ago and the other that hundreds of people in the Chicago area experienced just a few miles from my home. One night, after turning the lights out before going to bed, I went to close the window blinds from our living room windows. In our six-floor condo that faced the shore of Lake Michigan on the northeast side of Chicago near Loyola University. It was a rare pitch-dark night and with little to no moonlight at all. 
and almost directly out of my window, I saw that what looked like a saucer-shaped craft floating about the same height as our sixth-floor condo. And it had lights all around it. It just seemed to be hovering, maintaining the same position. After watching it for what seemed like 30 minutes, I soon called the Coast Guard to see if others had been calling in the sighting. The Coast Guard said they received many calls regarding the sighting, but weren't sure what it was. So I continued to watch it for about ooh, an hour until I fell asleep. When I awoke several hours later, it was gone. So I called the Coast Guard again, and they said they had sent out some boats, and they had confirmed it was a smelt fishing vessel. I was relieved and satisfied and thought, that made sense to me, do that it was smelt fishing season. I know that story is pretty lame, but it's an example of how easy we can be tricked into thinking we've seen one thing when in fact we've seen something very normal. Now, the other incident is a documented incident experienced locally in Chicago area by hundreds of people, and a few of those I knew personally. It's been known as the Chicago O'Hare UFO sighting. It occurred on November 7, 2006, about 4.15 p.m. in the afternoon. The, 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 report later, the report later documented only 12 United Airlines employees witnessed it, but it actually was spotted by many more people, but their reports were not reported due to, to avoid repetitive information, and many more didn't come forward for the fear of losing their jobs or being ridiculed. The Federal Aviation Administration declined to investigate the incident because the UFO was not seen on radar, and so they just called it a weather phenomenon. I found, as do many with related circumstances, that these types of incidents are very traumatizing for some people, especially when they feel pressured to keep quiet and are afraid of losing their jobs. In short, the people were a mixture of pilots, baggage handlers, flight attendants, and passengers both on the commercial planes and in the terminal. Most witnesses that came forward said they saw what they looked like a flying saucer appeared a few hundred feet above the terminal at Concourse C. It floated there for about 30 seconds, then shot up with such a speed that it cut a perfect circular-shaped hole through the clouds as it left. Now, in my opinion, there is no question that they saw something very unusual and unique. But knowing these people, their experience and reputation, I doubt it was a weather phenomenon like the FAA report stated. Another thing to note is when that incident occurred, it received radio, TV, newspaper, publicity. And I lived only a few miles from over here at the time. But in a city like Chicago, there's so much going on, most of the people didn't even know what was happening until months later. I don't believe the incident received top billing in the news and may have been downplayed or overshadowed by other news stories at the time. Whether that was intentional or not, I don't know. It's hard for me to believe that something like that happened at O'Hare, and I didn't hear about it until weeks later. I mean, what does it take for the media to report a real story? I mean, I mean, imagine, imagine if that flying saucer, instead of just hovering there above uh, Concourse C at O'Hare, okay, that it landed, and on the on, on the on the 
runway, okay? Or aliens got out, and aliens got out, went to Concord, the concession area, grabbed a few drinks, snacks, exchanged a few laps and insults, and left. I wonder, considering the type of news stories the media gives out, gives priority to, if that would have gotten any more attention. Putting humor aside for a moment, with all due respect to those experiencing that incident, it's still possible that that craft they saw and what the FAA said was a weather phenomenon could have very well been a human-made and controlled craft. Flying saucers is a man-made design. And there are and have been videos, blueprints, reports of flying saucers made by humans along with proposed technology for over 100 years. Scientists like Nikolai Tesla, uh, Thomas T. Brown, and thousands of German scientists brought over after World War II during Operation Paperclip. Those are just some that have been experimenting and improving on the next level of propulsion, which is anti-gravity. I'm sorry, anti-gravity propulsion technology, which I'll refer to here as AGP. It is believed that after World War II, Operation Paperclip was a top-secret U.S. operation to bring over as many German scientists along with many of the things they were working on over to the U.S. The most interesting were the V-1 rocket, the Horton HO-229, the first uh, jet fighter, the Messerschmitt 262, and what some have since then tried to hide as a hoax, the mysterious Die Glocken. The Die Glocken was supposed to be a bell-shaped object that Germany's top scientists were working on. It was so secret that there are reports that many of the scientists were murdered to keep them quiet close to the end of the war. And it was also believed that scientists working on it would use their own code, which is a custom alphabet using very unusual characters. At that time and since then, creating custom languages became an interest or a fad of scientists and scholars due to the popular fiction book, The Hobbit, by J.R.R. Tolkien. In Tolkien's novel, he created his own language and alphabet for characters in his popular book. It is surmised the scientists engraved the Deglocken name in code on its side of the object using their own customized alphabet. It is believed by many that that same top-secret German Deglocken bell with those characters engraved on the top side was the identical craft that crashed 20 years later in Pennsylvania during field testing, referred to as the Kecksburg UFO retrieval incident. Many, including myself, believe that, that, uh, that the object eyewitnesses said was an eight-foot-tall eight acorn-shaped object with unusual writing around the top they thought was alien or Russian at the time was, in fact, the same exact lock and bell the Germans were working on 20 years earlier. And the reason it didn't, it was so many years later, was around it before that time we had a lot of rush to be the first to go to the moon. A lot of the scientists working on it, and from the Vion rocket, is a lot of technology we use in the Apollo missions. And all the diversity diverted everyone's attention on that, and they couldn't get to a lot of that technology for many years later. The assumed so-called anti-gravity propulsion technology, AGP, in theory, 
cancels out gravity, hence the name anti-gravity, using a combination of electricity, magnets, and a plasma. Some, like famous Area 51 U.S. physicist Bob Lazar, has referred to as a plasma element 115. It's been stated by some that element 115 was or is used to manipulate the gravity forces around an object like a saucer, basically limiting or eliminating the drag it experiences, giving it the ability to propel itself through the atmosphere. There can be many reasons why we have yet to see this technology used in commercial or military applications and may actually be used in some degree to help some aircraft in certain circumstances achieve accelerated speeds. Here's a short word from one of our sponsors. Hello, welcome to Father O'Reilly's Online Public Confessions. This is where I read the email that gets sent to me, asking me the questions about some of the things I need to do as a priest. Let's answer an email here. I have from a letter from Marvin Bagelstein. He says, he says, Father, tell me, how do you give an atheist the last rites? What do you say to them? Boy, Marvin, that's a good question. Because, you know, from time to time, I do come across a fellow or two who's an atheist. And it's my job as a man of the cloth to give him his last rites. So I'll tell you what I do, Marvin. I, I ask them to gently place their hands behind their neck and then slowly raise their legs over their heads and then they get close and they whisper in their ear to kiss your sorry ass goodbye you're going straight to hell you son of a bitch that's what I tell them Marvin okay I got time for one last question from a gentleman named Harry Quint okay Harry says father how come Nones and sisters can't give confession. I say, actually, what a coincidence you asked me that, Harry. We are presently running the pilot program, testing this as I speak. We now have Sister Mary Motherfucker in the next room. Let's see how she's doing. Let's listen in, shall we? Oh, sir, can't you see that? Could you please just let me... This is... We're all sinners. Okay. I, he was not, he's not going to force you to do You're it. You're sinning right now. No, I'm not, motherfucker. You fucking accuser. Get the fuck out of here, you fucking accuser. Um. You motherfucker. Oh, 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 that doesn't seem like it's doing very well. Oh, saints preserve us. Not good at all. I need to pick me up. Do the teeth, pass the gums. Oh, God, tell me here it comes. May you be in heaven an hour before the devil knows you're dead. Oh, just what I needed. Okay, God bless you all. No more time. And get your asses back to church. One theory of why we haven't seen full adoption of this propulsion technology is even though they have improved and achieved major advances over the years, it still at times proves to be unpredictable due to natural and human-produced electrical fields and interferences causing the object to act erratically and unpredictable, resulting in test aircraft being uncontrollable or end up in undetended areas like, example, O'Hare Airport. In many cases, from the 50s through the 70s, 
that the saucer-shaped UFO reports, people had stated that the saucer craft flew erratically and unstable. The Air Force first stealth fighter, the F-117 Nighthawk, was still so unstable that it needs to be constantly monitored by its onboard computer systems. Otherwise, it would fall right out of the sky. It cannot be flown manually. Many, after hearing this, might think, okay, that's, you know, all these unexplained UFOs, it must be black military projects or private company project testing. But stay with me throughout this series, and you may see as we explore events from somewhat explainable to absolutely impossible. Many believe this technology is so far advanced that any craft using it must be from another world. But seriously, what are the chances of aliens coming from another planet flying around in craft that we ourselves have been interested in creating and improving on? Hello, check please. I mean, come on. So, uh, for now, let's ignore all the sightings of V-shaped craft and or lights similar to military or commercial FAA regulations so we can concentrate on the cases that I would consider worthy of our attention. Some believe we are and may see more of both the saucer and the V-shaped UFOs now that military and commercial aviation technology has improved, making the craft more stable and fly unautonomously. Advances in AI machine intelligence technology is believed to be one of the reasons for those achievements. If you're interested in hearing my series on AI, check out my AI Today and Tomorrow series. There are also those that claim the saucer-shaped craft has been seen by humans way before the Wright brothers made their first flight. Some claim the saucer-shaped craft appears in middle-aged paintings, prehistoric cave drawings, etc. For example, there are those who actually consider, this is one of the ideas of these ancient alien things, for example, there are those who actually consider the Anunnaki alien theory, which uh, they believe that mankind may have been created, or they some people are seriously believe in this. There's a whole, I mean, a lot of resources and money invested in this, that mankind may have been created by an alien race to help dig for gold. All right, no offense to those believers, but I think that's very unlikely. For example, you could just take your own hand right now Find places on the human body that supports, proves and supports the theory of evolution. From the existence of your own tailbone, wisdom teeth, some of your organs uh, behind your ear. You find that point when our ears were pointy. I mean, but the Anunnaki theory to think that humans were created for the sole purpose of manual labor is a little ridiculous. Okay? Hey, I got nothing against humans. My next door neighbor and my best friend are both humans. And come to think of it, my DNA authenticity report from mydacrap.com says I'm mostly 99.9% .9 human. Okay? So, yes, humans are physically worthless compared to other animals when it comes to hard labor before the age of 9 or 10. They also want too, too many French benefits. And the first word out of their mouths would be, Union. Okay? Also, don't you think that if an alien race had the level of intellect or the level of technology to travel to other planets, 
in space that they'd figure out a more efficient way to dig for gold than to create a, a race like human species to produce, what, that takes nine months in the womb and another nine months until it can start digging? I, I, I just don't think so. Okay? So, so much for Anunnaki alien theory. Uh, let's continue with a more logical approach. As I mentioned, we will not waste time here with many consider unmerited ideologies. As I mentioned earlier, there are many unusual, unexplainable UFO-related events throughout modern history that need to be examined. But one of the events that keeps me from becoming a non-believer in extraterrestrial visitation is a documented history of events of UFOs on U.S. and other countries' nuclear missile silos. I mean, think about it. Why would any country run the risk of causing unpredictable, catastrophic results to the world and testing its potential enemy or its even its own systems is something I don't think anyone would even consider. Okay, There's just the chances of unpredictable results are just too much. After I reviewed and studied a list of documented events of UFOs taking control and manipulating military uh, nuclear silos, I was somewhat convinced that there's more to this than just an interest, interesting story. Let's just assume all or even one of those occurrences were, were perpetrated or initiated by an alien entity. The next question would be, why? Why would an alien entity be playing with those systems, turning them on and off, and or destroying the electronic system? Why would an extraterrestrial intelligence care or even be interested in what we do to ourselves in our world. I mean, there are larger than nuclear type explosions in space all the time. So why would something like that have any interest to them? Unless they were more concerned of how a nuclear exchange would have on this planet because this is their planet. This is part of their dwelling in some way. Could this planet, you know, be theirs as well? So if one accepts this theory, that they live here or need to come here to exist, where are they? Where do they reside? I mean, if they exist, are they bidimensional beings or entities that live deep in the oceans or in Antarctica? Or are we in a cage, or are we in a cage living in a fishbowl with them as our gatekeepers? Who knows? Recent UFO reports made public by the U.S. Navy referred to as the Tic Tac UFO, had written reports by the U.S. Navy pilots of the coast off of California as far back as 2004. Those incidents show one of many objects shaped like a Tic Tac or a Tic Tac candy mint hovering over or entering the water and flying in formation at times, looking as though they changed shape. They appeared both on and off the pilot's radar even when they visually spotted, even when they were visually spotted by the pilots. As advanced as a Tic Tac's craft sound in this story, there are reports, okay, from engineers and related U.S. Navy filed patents and claimed, and also claims by debunkers like Mick West, that the U.S. and other nations have been working on projects for many years that can make it look as though an object appears, disappears, reappears, both visually on radar, that can also change, change shape into almost any shape by using lasers and other forms of light 
that can make it look as though it's traveling at shocking speeds. Uh, some say it's a combination of mirrors, compressed gases, and light, etc. For example, let's say uh, you have a reflection. You're using a mirror in the walls of your bedroom or something, and you shine a light on it, and you quickly move that light. Isn't it? Doesn't it seem like those objects are moving like that, that fast? Most of Antarctica is over 5 million square miles. That is mostly covered by 2 to 3 miles thick of solid ice. Could it be that in, in the line of all these other cave dwellers and prehistoric record of mankind, that we humans are not the superior species? Maybe we're not the superior species we think we are. And that maybe there is a missing link or related species, or possibly not human at all, that exists among us and occasionally, for whatever reason, flies their craft slow enough at times to remind us of their existence or when we directly interfere with their habitat or interests. If one takes into consideration the so-called popular alien figure that many claim to have seen, those little three-foot to four-foot tall humanoid figurines with two eyes, you know, uh, two hands, two arms, etc., two legs, I mean, yeah, with two big eyes, like an animal, they look more like something that would come from our planet or uh, from our planet in the future uh, rather than something light years away in space. I mean, look at the abundance of different types of life forms we have on this planet. Uh, I mean, insects and fish and all the crazy-looking things. And something that's going to come here, the only aliens going to come here are going to be these little guys. You know, <laughs> with a head, two arms, two legs. All right, and, and, and two eyes. I mean, come on. So I wouldn't be too surprised that within the next 50 years, with the help of advances in AI and quantum computing, that we will find both evidence of the missing link to humans here on Earth and extraterrestrial life at one stage or another existing in the cosmos, whether reachable or not. My only fear is that if there is an alien species out there, and if it's more advanced than we are, it may encounter other life forms like we do here on Earth. Every life form here on Earth consumes other life forms, in one way or another, for its own survival. We humans do as well, whether it's, uh, for example, a homeowner digging up the garden, uh, an oil company drilling at sea, lumberjacks or Amazon workers extracting trees. I mean, we don't stop and try to communicate or check in with life forms before we do these things, uh, that those life forms that need those resources to survive, we just take it. I mean, uh, why do we think of an advanced aliens, alien civilization would treat us any differently? I mean, think about it. I mean, if they wanted to land here somewhere, they'd just come and go and wouldn't care who saw them, right? Just like you, we go out, empty out the garbage, we gather garbage, we walk out, we empty the garbage to come back. In that process, we may have stepped on, I mean, ants, all kinds of insects, the creatures out there, and whatnot, and we didn't care less. We just went and we just emptied our garbage and came back. We didn't say, ooh, I better be careful. I don't want the ants to see me. <laughs> you know, so could they, why would they care if they're so high, highly advanced? I mean, it's not like we're going to chase them out in space, right? So they can care less. I must admit, though, we live in very exciting times with companies like SpaceX, NASA, Amazon Blue Origin, and many other companies with new space programs. These are definitely unprecedented times. 
And if you consider that along with the upcoming advances in AI and quantum computing, we have much to be excited about and to look forward to. So please check out my, my next new series, The Case for Space. In future episodes, we will explore this topic in more detail. If you were someone you know has a serious story, pick, vid, or experience, and like to share it with my viewers related to this topic or others, please notify or send it to me via my web form on my website at www.themikemorrisour.com. Before you leave, subscribe to my channel now so I can inform you of new episodes of this series and others at themikemorrisour.com. So until next time, goodbye and God bless.